Hey, welcome to part two of our epic Sanity Shelves. Jake has been talking to us last week. If you listen to last week's episode, he talked to us about some books. But this week, he's going to talk to us about Dopamine Nation, and we're going to talk some more about a book that I talked about earlier this year, I believe it was, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I actually talked about public speaking by Dale Carnegie, but I've read Dale Carnegie. Anyway, I'm Nathan. That's Ben. That's Jake. We're going to jump right in. They're pastors. Oh, and this is Sanity Shelves. This is the Sound of Sanity is the podcast, and Sanity Shelves is the thing that we're doing where we talk about a book and it triggers an interesting discussion. So I guess we could talk about Dale Carnegie real quick. Let me throw out Dopamine Nation real quick. Yeah. I really enjoyed that book. I'm trying to read the subtitle without opening the book. Finding Balance in an Age of Indulgence. Hmm. It's not going to be anything that's groundbreaking or whatever towards anyone uh, here that listens to it. But if you want just some basic pagan science about the ways that our brains are being rewired and the impact that that rewiring has on us through our smartphones and the algorithms that we consume on a daily basis. If you want to be disgusted by it and you want some basic strategies to cope and to detox and to protect your kids, it's a pretty helpful uh, little book. And if you want some scary stories, some horror stories about men who I mean, one of the central stories that you start with is a man who's who gets into building masturbation machines for himself to correspond and build on his porn habit. So if you want where this sort of all leads and where it ends in a brave new world kind of kind of way that will inspire you to take seriously the fact that Instagram and Facebook and TikTok are designed to exploit you like scientifically designed to exploit you, exploit your brain, exploit your chemical process, hijack you and rewire and reshape the way you think and the way you, what you're even capable of enjoying and what you're in, what you're capable of suffering and how you're able to deal with pain and how you're able to just be a healthy whole human being. And this Dr. Lemke talks about her own addiction to romance novels that she worked through. A lot of it is in the language of addiction and things like that. So you got to do some sorting. But also, I think there's some helpful stuff in the book, some insightful stuff with the guy at the start that was making his masturbation machines. The way that she helped him finally solve it was by telling him that he just needs to pray and to get down on his knees physically and pray, which she's not, which she says in the book, she's not allowed to do in her position as a Stanford psychologist, but it was all that she could come up with. So anyhow, it's a, uh, it reminds me a lot of if you ever read the book or heard of back in the day, a book called Unprotected by Miriam Grossman. Mm-mm. I remember it vaguely. She's a campus psychologist or psychiatrist, one of the two, and a Jewish lady who was caught in the, in the crucible of the political correctness and what she was allowed and not allowed to 
to say to her, to people, the college students on campus that came in dealing with psychological and emotional difficulties in the actual causes of them. So most of it comes down to sex and most of it comes down to, she's not allowed to not affirm free sexual, free sex and homosexual behavior and any, any number of other things on the one hand. On the other hand, she's watching how it's just wrecking and destroying the lives of these students and trying to help them, especially the young women, while also trying to not lose her job. And it was originally published anonymously. This is all about that sort of thing. And, and this, is, this is sort of like that. Hmm. But so it's got some of the science of how dopamine works and how it rewires what's good and what's bad and how to have uh, just a simple plain ple- pain pleasure balance and how important both are. So yeah, anyhow, it's worth listening to, worth checking out, and worth devoting a little bit of time to thinking about that sort of thing if you're not thinking about it regularly. Read it in conjunction with Brave New World, sounds like. Yeah, or not. (laughs) (laughs) All right, there, I wanted to get that out of the way. Now we can talk about Carnegie. But I, you brought up Carnegie in that episode because Ben brought up, what's his face? Chris Chris Voss. There you go. And I will just say that Chris Voss is really just an update of Dale Carnegie. Yeah. With the, diff, with the frame and angle of uh, persuasion, the frame and angle of negotiation and persuasion. Mm-hmm. But it's, I mean, it is just. And what is winning friends and influencing people, if not negotiation and persuasion. And that's all Voss would say. And, and the, the principal thing is win them to you, make them like you, and figure out how to influence them. And the tactics are all the same. Voss has stories from that are cool stories from hostage ne- negotiations and things like that. Yeah. Instead of 5,000 anecdotes from George was a salesman and when mm. Charles Schwab. Yeah. President Lincoln was <laughs> said to remark. <laughs> yeah. So Carnegie's just going to string together 5,000 anecdotes and have a bunch of rules. Mm. And Voss is going to have a fewer amount of principles and stories and be a little bit more punchy and a little bit more stilled, but he's not actually going to vary that much in what he's actually saying from Carnegie. Right. The only place where I could think there was differentiation was Carnegie's insistence that you go for yes and Voss's insistence that you go for no. Hmm. But really, even that sounds like a fundamental opposite thing, but it's just an inversion of, of frame. Yeah, and, they're just packaging the same truth in, in, in opposite terms. Yeah. And in dealing with all the hack, stupid ways people have taken Carnegie's go for yes mm-hmm. and, and made it sort of obsolete and stupid and even misunderstood it. I mean, Carnegie's like, if you get people in the frame of mind where they're agreeable and they want to agree with you, then you can have them agreeing with you about the principal thing in no time if you just sort of start small. Mm-hmm. And But the way that that translates into modern sales or business is, is your name Ben? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no. If I can get you, it's two plus two, four. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Would you like to buy some life insurance? <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> I'm, su- <laughs> and now, uh, I'm surprised that you said, yes, your name is Ben, and yes, two plus two is four, and you said no to life insurance. <laughs> but Voss is just like, at the actually fundamentally, Voss wants you to agree and wants an agreement even with no. Would it be unreasonable to ask you to, no, it wouldn't be. Well, that's just opening you up to a positive orientation and agreement. Yeah, with maybe right. the maybe the added wisdom, maybe Carnegie doesn't do the thing where he says, eh, if you give someone, if you let someone set a boundary with you or feel like they are, that's helpful. Yeah, but but he actually does talk about that exact sort of thing. <laughs> There's no right. stone left unturned in Carnegie <laughs> like that. Like, uh, he really does talk about okay, that exact okay. that kind of thing. And in all the places where he can be taken to extremes, he ends up having something in there to. So he's going to have his whole chapter on never criticize people, only affirm them. And then he's going to turn around in the very next chapter and talk about all the ways that flattery is terrible and stupid. And so it's like, okay, if I take this principle of always affirming people and never, ever criticizing them, sounds like what you want me to do is flatter them. But then you turn around and tell me not to flatter anyone ever. Okay, so are you just covering your butt here or what? But then he's going to say, no, actually. Everyone has good qualities and everyone has things that are actually genuinely praiseworthy and your job is to figure out what those are. And be and if you do and are genuine and sincere in what you can appreciate and you focus on that, that's not flattery and that opens people up to you. And he's not wrong. But it's just that things can really get out of proportion or one-sided in how you in how you in and I'm biblical in the sense of Actually, I really appreciate it when somebody tells me that I'm wrong. And actually, there's a way to do that that is out of love and not just a critical spirit, as people would say, or as Carnegie might frame it. But honestly, a lot of Dale Carnegie really just amounts to the kind of, you know, okay, on the one hand, it's a lot of self-help, false gospel of self-help, get ahead, succeed in life without God. Right. stuff that should be rejected. On the other hand, it's actually a lot of just kind of dad wisdom that your dad or your grandfather would say to you if you had one of those. And if you don't, it's kind of distilled sort of practical how to not be a jerk in a social situation, how to, hey, it's good to remember someone's name. Mm-hmm. You know, it's good to care enough to remember somebody's name. It's good enough to pay attention to details. It's good enough to, it's, it's pretty good to actually, wherever you can find, admit to fault, that you just own it and admit to fault. It's pretty good to take responsibility when you screw up. It's pretty good to, to, it's like a Richard Baxter, when he talks about going house to house and shepherding people, he says, when you go and mollify them, and when you leave, mollify them, and his word is mollify, and it's always stuck in my mind. Hmm. But basically what he says, when you go in, be sweet, be friendly, make them comfortable, let them know that you love them and appreciate them, then say the hard thing. And then when you leave, mollify them. Mm-hmm. Be sweet, be cheerful, be grateful that they let you into the house. And if you bookend the hard thing that you have to say with good thing, with nice things, with kind things, with kindness and sweetness mm-hmm. and grace and mercy and gratitude, then that, that makes the pill go down much easier spoonful of sugar 
And the, Carnegie's often talking about, he's not saying don't, sometimes you have to criticize people. Sometimes you have to go and confront them. Here are 5,000 different ways to go about that in a way that's tactful um, mm-hmm. and not going to turn people into defensive, self-justifying monsters right away. And they may still turn out that way, but if you go about it in a tactful sort of way, if you show your appreciation for the good that they do before you tell them about the thing that they need to change, if you can do it in a way that helps them see it and cut, arrive at that conclusion themselves as if it's their own idea, sometimes that can be more helpful. And again, there's all kinds of ways to abuse that sort of thing and never actually, and only manipulate people into getting what you want out of them. But there's also an upright, honest sort of way to just accept the fact we're all sinners. Not every love covers a multitude of sins. And sometimes it's better to leave people and their egos away out of a corner instead of box them in, mm-hmm. which is the kind of practical pastoral wisdom that I've heard said a thousand times to me and to, and to other pastors in our, in our training. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd say two things. Number one, if you want to hear about the, everything that's bad about the self-help movement, you can listen to our Occult America episode of this very podcast where I talk about, it's another Sanity Shells where I talk about a book I read on the occult in, in particularly the 19th century American strain of occult. And Norman Vincent Peale and Dale Carnegie are directly downstream of that. And all the kind of affirmation, self-help, believe in yourself stuff comes f- directly from yeah. the occult. So there, I said what's bad about Dale Carnegie. Well, and it doesn't, it's not surprising then to find that Relentless is in the lineage of self-help that turns to the dark side explicitly. Yeah, Relentless is just somebody being honest about it. That's right. But the other problem I think with somebody like Dale Carnegie is the, I, I saw a, a tweet today. I think it was this morning. Somebody who said the problem with the, the entire academic field of psychology is that the people who go into it are not the people who are like, yay, I understand people. So I want to study psychology. It's actually people who are like, I don't understand people. And I'm frustrated by that. Yeah. And so I want to study psychology. And so you get the weirdest, wackiest stuff because it's not somebody coming from just a healthy, healthy foundational. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the same thing, if, if you feel ease, ease at your ability to influence people and win friends, then guess what? You're not going to pick up a copy of how to win friends and influence right. people. And so I think a lot of the people that end up reading Dale Carnegie are the be exactly pe- the kind of people that would twist it and, yeah, and take it way too it far. And and be, I must remember three things about this person and say them back to them every time. And Dale Carnegie himself, I've read, was pretty famously an annoyingly bad practitioner of Dale Carnegie's principles. He could get up and give us a rote speech, but when he saw you, he would feel mechanical. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to remember your name. Like, he didn't have a lot of personal warmth. And he'd obviously built these principles because of his own inadequacies. Yeah. That's a good story. I don't know whether it's true or not. I don't either, but it rings true because it reminds me of some of the red pill gurus that I've met in person. And you can see this, like... If Are you, you talking, trying to talk about me, Jake? I'm I'm sitting right here in front of you. You can just be direct, okay? No, only affirmative. <laughs> <laughs> but, but... If you, man, like the amount of just sort of like men who are actually physically small in stature and dorks who've been divorced three times and or whatever that are now red pill gurus and they're out there in the red pill world because 
they were in cells or they sucked with women or they got divorced and where they got cucked and, and they went on a quest to figure out what it means to be a man and to self-actualize and how to solve these problems. There, a lot of them are that way, or they're just not, com- the men who are not comfortable in their own skin or awkward, who, who don't know how to even walk with any kind of. Well, yeah, I think, I think or, one of the big tells is posture. Someone who's comfortable in their own masculinity is going to have good posture. Their shoulders are going to be thrown back, but also they're going to move around and just be natural with their body, the body that they've inhabited comfortably for however long they've been alive. There's any number of these red pill guys that have the most rigid shoulders, always back, weird, uncomfortable posture. It's like nobody has that quote unquote masculine of posture Except for all the people time. who have tried to learn mm-hmm. it because they've read books and And because they feel inadequate. Roger exactly. Ebert had a phrase for a bad a certain kind of bad actor. He'd say they're trying to evoke this and then he would say they they know all the words but they don't know the music. Yep. And there's a kind of person who knows all the masculinity words and doesn't know the music or knows all the winning friends and influence people words and just doesn't know the music. And I actually think Dale Carnegie, if you have any art to you, if you do know a little, even a little bit of music, he can give you a lot of good words. He can give you helpful tricks. He's been, that book was helpful to me. It's just remembering somebody's name. Great. I never thought to do that, but it's it's nice to just make a habit of remembering somebody's name when you meet them or notice. I think one part that I, I vaguely remember is like, if you walk into a man's office and you're supposed to impress him, you know, notice a picture on the wall and ask him about it. Notice something mm-hmm. about the other yeah, man. Learning to find the thing. And he tells a couple stories like that, where it's just like you walked into the office and you had a sharp <coughs> eye for what mattered to that guy. <clears throat> right. Oh, everything in here is ships. He's got a thing. You know, he's got a thing for ships. And so he likes nautical things. And so I'm going to ask about that and just be friendly. People like to talk about themselves and the things that they will feel like you're a good conversationalist if you just sit there and listen and ask questions and take an interest in them and the things that they care about. And if they're a a successful person, they've gotten there because they've worked hard and sacrificed and they're proud of that sort of thing. And they feel like they have wisdom to offer people. And so ask them about how about their story, about how they achieved success, about how they got where they are, about the sacrifices they made. They'll love to talk about it. They'll feel like they're actually being helpful to you. They'll feel like you are interested, are a good conversationalist and you'll learn something actually probably. It'll be good for you and it'll be good for them and then they'll like you and they'll give you their business because they see in you the kind of person that cares and that wants to succeed like they do and wants to grow as a person and appreciates them for more than uh, their money or the product that you're trying to sell or buy from them, which again, you can take that and you can be a manipulative jerk about that sort of thing, or you can just understand basic truths about human nature and what it means to love other people and listen to them and put their interests before you instead of going in and be like, well, I don't know. I don't want to manipulate this person's vulnerability to talk about themselves. So I'm going to go in and talk about myself. That's just not going to be as kind. I mean, yeah, that's it's just, just not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not. That's not wise or kind. It's yeah. It's just no fun to talk to somebody who only wants to talk to. I mean, if you've ever met somebody who truly only talks about themselves, like they've never even learned this principle to be polite. Yeah, it's a drag. Yeah, it's really terrible. It's but really- but the, but the best way to learn this principle is around the dinner table in a healthy family with a mom and dad. It's just mm-hmm. like you should ask your sister about something, and then it just seeps into you. But if you didn't have that, 
which many of us didn't, then I, I think Dale Carnegie and people like him can be helpful mm-hmm. when, when used c- correctly. Yeah. And if you're going to take that sort of thing, well, actually, it's really annoying and distasteful to me to have to sit and listen to somebody talk about themselves. Okay. Why? Why? What's it say about you, mm-hmm. actually? Are you just somebody who's here? You may be the person who's actually there to use the guy. Right. You may be the person who actually doesn't care. You may be the person who's actually the narcissist in the room. Not the guy who's happy to talk about his uh, love for sailing, but the guy that would be annoyed because two minutes of his time is going to be taken up by this thing that this guy really loves and is excited about. And so what does that say about you, actually? How about you get into the discipline and habit of learning to listen to people? Because everybody's interesting. Everybody's got a story. Everybody has things about them that are worth appreciating and things that you can learn from. There's something you can learn from everybody. When you go into any conversation with anybody with that kind of mindset, this person is interesting. This person has things about them that I can learn from. And so let me just learn the discipline of enjoying and listening and taking interest in other people. And only good will come of that. Mm Mm-hmm. And that is a discipline that you can acquire. And there are disciplines like that. And and I would say in my life, I felt very socially crippled as a sixth grader. And I've just had to learn a lot of tricks like that to sort of build my relationship with the world. And and Dale Carnegie was a helpful book for me in, yeah. in, in learning. Maybe, maybe there were three things I took away from them. And one of them was remember somebody's name. And maybe I remember somebody's name. 2% more than I would have if I hadn't read the book. But I, I do think those kinds of things can be helpful when you find yourself in a hole and you just need to have a few handles and tricks for interacting with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and just like Voss, right? Like Voss is actually going to... Carnegie has a level of assumption still about how you do that sort of... He's constantly telling you to do that sort of thing. He's really telling you how mm-hmm. or giving you a tool like Voss is going to have a tool and he's going to label it. And one of those tools is going to be called labeling. <laughs> right. But it's going to stick with you or mirroring. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's just like the extra step of if you're really socially retarded and you can't, you want to do what Dale Carnegie tells you to do, but you don't know how, <laughs> you don't know the words, here's a tool, take the last three words that somebody said and repeat them with a question mark behind it. And that will help you. And that's where Voss is like sort of building on that sort of thing. But again, it is for, it can be helpful, but it it also is like, it is for the socially inept. Yeah. Well, and- But then again, a lot of people grew up without dads and the family dinner table and things like that. And you need tools to work with. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, another thing about Voss, I don't know if Carnegie feels this way, but Voss is more, Voss is, all his stories are hostage negotiation and stuff. And it just feels more like, I have to beat you. And so, I'm going to repeat the last three words back to you. I'm going to learn what you want. I'm going to learn how you feel. Right. And that, I'm going I'm to get, I'm going to get through and I'm going to win this right. interaction. Yeah. And that it, feels slimy after yeah, a while. Yeah, Voss is much more about getting what you want from somebody. Yeah. 
I mean, Dale Carnegie kind of exists in a world of like 1950s affluence, mid-century madmen style men at a business lunch is kind of what you imagine. Yeah. And so, so it well, does. And especially if you listen to it with the narrator that I did, which is the most amazing sort of mid-century grandfather radio <laughs> ad type. I'm going to find this reader real quick. Title details. Andrew McMillan, who's this guy, this just feels sort of like a mid-century radio broadcaster, like this would have been pulled off of a record, digitized off of a record or old tape or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that's just the only way to experience this book, in my opinion, at this point. Let's just let this guy. This is by Audible. Mm-hmm. Bubble, you know, the, the same sort of guy. I think if you're going to read a self like uh, something that's a little trashy like that it's it's always nice to read the trash of yesteryear it's because it's easier to see through what's bad about it and just laugh yeah. at it yeah you know? and, and that's why again i think at the top i said it just felt like oh, this is worth this is worth having read and and i also think too in the last couple of years i have found myself wanting to gravitate more toward the world of self help these little niche markets where people are are thriving because i think it tells on the church i think it tells on Mm. it tells on us it tells on our culture it tells on the places where society is falling apart and where the church has failed to step in and where the church is maybe failing to step in and love and care for people because what you have with the rise of self-help is the fall of the family and all this stuff really is a lot of it, mm-hmm. just the kind of wisdom you would normally have passed down from father to son or but mother it, to daughter. But in, in, in a sane way. <laughs> but in a sane way and in not in a hyper, yeah, just like cult over the top demonic sort of thing, but just practical wisdom of how to like have a conver- hold a conversation with somebody, how to mm-hmm. walk into a boss's office and come away with a job, how to... Well, it's like I said, the best way to learn that is not... You're going to go into the boss's office, so do this and this. It's, Jenny, listen to your brother talk at, Exa- the, at it, the dinner table. Yeah, and, exactly and it right. just seeps into your bones and you don't give it a second thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess my only point was just the whole genre itself reinforces the fact that the family's falling apart. Yeah. And so dabbling in and out of it, and especially going back 50, 70, 80 years, however long, it, you see that, you see the places too where the church has fallen down or falling down and just failing to help step in and help fathers reestablish homes and establish generational wisdom that can be passed on and passed down and getting it from the right places like Proverbs where you actually start with uh, the fear of the Lord and you hit up against the fact that you there is such a thing as gaining the whole world and losing your soul. Well, there you go. Another thing that you can gain... In addition to the world, <laughs> I was waiting for <laughs> is a subscription to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. And you won't lose your soul there. In fact, you might do your soul some good because you can go to our discord and have cool conversations with cool other supporters and see a little bit how the sausage is made. We'll and remember your name and three things about you. We'll remember your name and three things about you. Like Horace, who loves fishing and chocolate 
and gazing at the moon gazing at the moon yeah it's kind of an odd duck that horace yeah horace is a weird guy <sighs> yeah there's no such person uh, anyway go to patreon.com forward slash status lots of cool stuff there some behind the scenes videos and other things like that and yeah it's a good way to support the show also leave us a review we haven't gotten any cool reviews for a while Review us on your podcast app of choice, Apple Podcasts, whatever, and tell your friend to listen to the show and spread the word. And if you like this show, we need more reach, not because we're callow reach pounds, but because we need to be able to support our families and stuff like that. So tell people about the show. If you liked this episode, maybe you're like, me and Frank, we always talk about dale carnegie he's always trying to get me to read how to win your friends so i'm going to send this episode to frank well don't just think about it do it send this episode to frank right now frank is waiting frank is waiting and until next time stay sane 